make sure I cut the other one off. This one's not working. How about now? How about now? Is it working now? Better? Okay. <coughs> uh, a lot of you may know this. You may not. But I married the preacher's daughter. And boy, did I get lucky. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> but when I married the preacher's daughter, I went into the preacher's family which was something new to me. And I, and I saw a lot of things that, honestly, I had no idea what went on, you know. But one of the neatest things that I found was I went to my father-in-law's office one day, and he wasn't there, and he'd left the, the uh, office open, and he'd left a drawer open, and I saw it, the red phone. <laughs> Is that there, Andy? I saw it. And you know where that phone goes? That's right. They can get on that phone and they can call directly and get answers to all those hard questions that we have. Now, nowadays, smartphone, is that what you'll have? Do you text and tweet and, I mean, does it, or just voice or voice. just voice? No Snapchat? Not yet. Okay. Have, is, he, is he telling us the truth? Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> You know what I like the best about him? <laughs> that. <laughs> that we can have fun. That we can worship the Lord with a smile on our face. I grew up in an area where uh, a lot of the people there taught that if, if you weren't suffering, if you were doing good, then you weren't serving the Lord. <laughs> and, and it was tough to grow up with. And, I, and that's why I guess I appreciate Mike. I appreciate his ministry being here. And, and all the things that he brought, brought to this church. Okay, back to the phone. That's, okay, I made it up. I, see, I'm not bound by them. I can lie up here. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm just like, you know, I'm on down here. They're way up there. And we'll talk about that passage later, and it doesn't include me. So. Uh, but anyway, the, but to get the smarts, to get the knowledge that a pastor has to have and, and what it requires to become a, a pastor, particularly in the United Methodist Church. Does anybody here know what it takes to do that? We have, we have a totally unplanned uh, response here. Yes, ma'am, could you get up and, and explain that for us, please? I'm a whoa. <laughs> I'm a loud preacher's kid. I got to get toned down here. I know that explains a lot, doesn't it? Um, I first learned about what it takes to be educated to be a pastor beginning in 1958 when most of you were not even alive. <laughs> My daddy, all right, Drew. When I was five years old, my daddy was called to be a minister. And in the Baptist church, it's a little bit different process. In the Baptist church, you get called, and then you go to the board of the deacons in your church, 
and they pray over you, and they decide that your call is true, and then you're ordained, and then you go get educated. That's backwards from what the Methodist Church does, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So Daddy went to, we went to Woodlawn Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia, and we went down to the front, and they prayed over Daddy, and Daddy was ordained, and then Daddy picked up mother and my baby brother and me and moved us to Macon where he completed his college work at Mercer and then I went to seminary at the age of seven (laughs) and (laughs) spent three years at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and then we went out to a church so I went through seminary and it was fun it was no work at all It was play. I remember playing in the mud and running down the streets, and it was just a blast. It was not, no effort at all. So that's what I remember about my first experience with the education and what it takes to be a pastor. My second experience with it was with our goddaughter, Natalie, and it was a very different experience because this time it was Methodist, and Methodists do things differently. But, yeah, there's a method to the madness here. But in addition to that, I was looking at it as an adult who sees a lot more. So with Natalie, it was a different process. Natalie was on the road to uh, being a highly paid scientist, and she chose to go to Uganda. God called her to go to Uganda for a summer mission trip, and during that summer mission trip, she was gone for two months, and God called her to the ministry. So she came back um, after her second year of college and said, I'm changing everything, changing my major to religion, and I'm going to seminary. Um, So that began my education as to the process of a United Methodist minister. Um, she went to seminary, and I found out that seminary was all, not all fun and games, like it had been the first time I went through. In fact, I found out that seminary is not really fun at all. Um, many of the professors have no experience pastoring a local church. They're very theoretical. There are, um, there's not always an appreciation for a conservative point of view, and it's, it's tough. The classes are tough. It's really, really hard work, and you go through, there's a list of 27 different classes that you have to master and all these different things, and it's a lot of work, and when you finish, you're a preacher, Not in the Methodist church. Nope. When you finish, what you get to do is go before the Board of Ordained Ministry, and uh, which is, from what I understand, something like the Spanish Inquisition. Is that kind of what it's like? (laughs) And most people do not get through it on one try. Most people get to do that several times before they're approved to go before, to become a provisional member of the clergy. 
And then for the next two to eight years, you get to prove that you're good enough to be an ordained pastor. So it is a lot of work to become an ordained minister in the Methodist Church. And that's, uh, I really, for the two of you here, I don't think there are any other ordained pastors in our congregation today. For the two of you who are here, I admire that because you have to be called, and for your families that went through this with you, you have to be called and you have to be dedicated just to get to the part that you're ordained. Now, all you've done is your education, which did not prepare you to be a pastor of a local church. It gave you all the theological basis, your spiritual basis, your um, uh, scriptural basis, but it didn't teach you about what real people in real churches expect their pastors to be. Um, The first thing in the Methodist church is you give up control of your life completely. In the Baptist church, at least you still choose what church you go to, and you choose when to go and when to come. Not in the Methodist church. I I tried, I think we repeat this every May in our church, but I'm going to repeat it again. Methodist pastors serve um, at the, they serve the church, not the church. They are appointed by the bishop to serve a church. And while they get input into that decision and the local church gets input into that decision, ultimately it's the bishop's decision. And just want you to think about what if you knew every January, well, really, they find out about March, I guess, February or March, you'll find out whether you're going to stay where you are, where you're very happy, or where you are, where you're very unhappy, (laughs) or you're going to go someplace else where you may be happy or unhappy because you have said, I will go where you send me. That's amazing, isn't it? That's, and that is what they choose to do. Um, when you become a pastor, you... How many of you have a job where you're on call occasionally? How many of you have a job where you are on call 24-7, 365? <laughs> um, I did experience this as a pastor's child, um, We had many interrupted dinners. Uh, We had one vacation where we were up in North Carolina, and remember, I'm old, so that was, you know, back when travel was not as easy or inexpensive, and um, one of our congregation members passed away, and she had specifically stated that that Daddy and the funeral director were the only people to be at her funeral, and it needed to be done within two days. So Daddy had to fly from North Carolina to South Georgia at his own expense, leave us in his vacation to do that funeral. Um, Another Christmas Day, 1965, um, Daddy got a call first thing in the morning uh, from a man he had been counseling who told him that he had just killed his wife 
and he was on the way out to the fields to kill himself. And Daddy spent that day with that man's four children who were 14 and under, um, who found their mother's body, and he spent the whole day explaining to them and finding a place to live. And there aren't many jobs where you choose to live through those situations with other people. It impacts not only you, but your entire family is in the ministry with you. So you, you really get up, give up a lot. And then there are Sunday mornings. Look around you. This is the number of bosses that Mike faces <laughs> every Sunday morning. How many of you have an annual or semi-annual evaluation? Mike gets one every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning. Well, that one was okay, but wasn't as good as last Sunday. I guess he's kind of slacking off. Or, ooh, that was good, so next Sunday really better be good. Every Sunday he gets a new evaluation. You get to live with criticism and controversy and arguments, and you have to do all of that giving grace. You're not, you have to do it all giving grace. Um, this past Friday night, I met my uh, son's new pastor, and I was talking to him about being a PK, and, you know, we were talking about the, the difficulties of being in a in a pastor's family and all the things that you face and we talked for a while and he finally looked at me and he smiled and he said but you know God is so good and I am so excited about God being good I just can't hold it in and when he said that I thought of Mike that is what I love most about Mike is that he projects that he believes that God is good and he shines that God is good faith throughout and that is what it takes to be a pastor. If you think that was tough, let me tell you about what it takes to be a certified lay speaker in the United Methodist Church. <laughs> Nothing like that, I'm, I, I'm, I can assure you. <laughs> what do you say about this guy? It's Pastor Appreciation Sunday. This is what I say about that. It's not just today. It's every day. A lot of times, let me give you a, a quick example. I was in a, a church in Compton, Methodist Church, and the pastor did a what I thought was just a dynamite, dynamite message. And I, and I was just, I, I don't know, maybe God was just speaking to me, but nobody really said anything to him. So I went to Vicki, I said, did I hear that? Was it just me? Was God speaking to me? She said, no, it was awesome. So we went up, 
and we told him how great it was, and, and several times we told him. A lot of times we assume that they know when they're good, and sometimes they do, but it's always good to hear it. Not just on Pastor Appreciation Sunday, every Sunday, every day. And, and through this service, that's the challenge that I want to present to you, is to remember to appreciate this guy, not just today, but every Sunday and every day. They were talking about, um, talking about being a minister. Um, actually, all of us are ministers, right? We're all disciples of Christ. It's not just the ordained. It's not just the ones that are leading the church. We all are. But Mike wears a special hat along with that. It's called a pastor. And there's a Latin term, and my Latin is about as good as my French. Okay? <laughs> Pastoral. How'd I do? Okay. Well, looks good to me. That, that's a Latin term meaning shepherd. And basically, it talks about a pastor being a shepherd, or as I like to think about it, he has spiritual care over our congregation. And did you know that there are three books in the Bible that talk about exactly what it takes to be a pastor? That's where this no line part comes in. And you don't say nothing about lay speakers. Usually the ones that they're referred to on that are first and second, uh, Timothy and Titus. We're not going to really talk about that too much today, but you know, if you want to go read it, that's great because that just tells them how they're supposed to act. That's where the no lying part comes in and, and uh, just how they should behave in the community and stuff like that. One of the things that I will mention about that that I thought was very, very important is <clears throat> it does not say this is how you have to have been in the past. It says this is how you have to be now. And if you look at some of the greatest leaders that we've had in the Bible, God doesn't look at the past. He didn't look at David, Moses. You know, Moses didn't get to go to the promised land. Why? Right now there's going to be a pop quiz. Why didn't Moses get to go to the promised land? That's right. He wouldn't, do, he, he wouldn't strike the rock, right? Or you did strike the rock. I'm sorry. See, I don't have any other things. Okay. <laughs> no, but seriously, you know, uh, th that's the thing it talks about. Not who you were. It's who you are now. And that's the, one of the things that is constantly in the Bible. Jesus doesn't look. God doesn't look at us the way we used to be. He looks at us the way we are now. Um, there are three categories of showing appreciation to a pastor and if you're in a grow group y'all will go into that in a little bit more detail so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it uh, but I'm going to mention some of them um, the first one is that um, there, there, there are passages that encourage us to show our appreciation to our pastors we talked about that second there are texts that tell us why we should appreciate them and third there are passages that tell us how to show our love and respect for them it's in the Bible, folks. 
Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9.14, the Lord commanded those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit it. Would you like to raise, sir? Oh, okay. The Bible tells us that, that we're supposed to support our pastors. Why? Philippians 1, 3 through 5. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I always pray for you, and I make my request with a heart full of joy because you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. It is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a very special place in my heart. We have shared together the blessings of God, both when I was in prison and when I was out, defending the truth and telling others the good news. And now the how. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who first taught you the word of God. Do you remember your first pastor? Anybody? Mine was Pastor Selman, and I was I, I was one of these kids that grew up in the church. And Pastor Selman was old, he had been there forever, and he was boring. <laughs> That's from a kid's perspective because I, I mentioned that to my sister who's about 10 years older, and she said, he wasn't there that long. And I said, he was there forever. And she said, no, he wasn't. He's only there for three years. Well, it seemed like forever, you know. <laughs> Think of all the good has, that has come from their lives and the trust the Lord and, and trust the Lord as they do. And then Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. If you want to honor a pastor, do what he says. Follow Christ the way he tells you to do it. Their work is to watch over your souls. Anything I do, I blame on him now. Right? <clears throat> and they know they are accountable to God. It's in the scripture, Mike. Give them reason to do this joyful, joyfully and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. I want to, before we start something here, I want to do something. I want to take a few minutes because we're not going to do any more joking. We're going to do a very serious part here. And I want the Holy Spirit to be here with us. So I, what I'd like everybody to do is just bow your heads for a few minutes. And I want you to pray for the Holy Spirit to come here for us, with us be with us today, right now, just for a few minutes.
uh, a regular part of our service, but we're going to do a litany of thanks. And because we don't do this very often, I'm kind of going to go through what we're doing. This is um, a responsive reading, but it's a three-part reading. Um, there will be a leader's speaking, which will be me. The people will respond, um, and the people have a longer section. And then Mike is going to respond. So it's uh, it's a reading where we're all going to participate. Um, and as we read this, we want you to read this as a prayer. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. Um, it's a prayer of praise. Um, it's a prayer for ministry. And this is a very meaningful, spiritful prayer. Lord, we praise and thank you for the gift of Mike. We acknowledge the gift of this, your servant, to the work of ministry, called in his weakness and strengthened by your spirit. May we support him with our love and prayers. May we cherish, honor, and respect him because he is your anointed servant. May we with joy accept the awesome and privileged responsibility of helping him be all you want him to be. Make me worthy of your calling, Lord. May I be faithful, diligent, and passionate in my ministry as I seek to build up the body of Christ through your word and spirit. Lord, we thank and praise you for his ministry of the word. It is by your love and grace that we are given Mike to preach the gospel. We thank you for the boldness with which he calls us to repentance. He holds us there the truth of your word which strengthens our faith of your kingdom as he imparts your word to us, be his joy and his inspiration. It's only by your spirit that I am led in the way of truth. Increase my knowledge, Lord, and renew my commitment to share the joy of my salvation. Lord, we thank and praise you for Mike's ministry of leadership. In your infinite wisdom, you have given us a shepherd to lead and guide us. Bless him with discernment and integrity as he instructs and counsels us to be obedient and faithful to your word. Your ways are higher than my ways, Lord. Bless me with wisdom courage and compassion so that the love of Christ may be shown in the church and to the world around us. Lord, we thank and praise you for Mike's ministry of prayer. As we stand in your presence, 
we give you glory. For with eagerness and in humility, Mike earnestly prays for this fellowship of believers and your church worldwide. Fervent in his desires and committed to your will as he embraces this great privilege. May I be a disciplined and dedicated person of prayer, Lord. May I pray without ceasing. Lord, we thank and praise you for Kit. Kit stands beside Mike, giving him loving support and encouragement day by day. May we support her with our prayers, kindness, and words of appreciation as faithfully as she supports Mike in his calling. With gratitude in my heart, I thank you, Lord, for having Kit in my life. Lord, as we remember your goodness and faithfulness to us, we offer you our deepest devotion. Your infinite love for us is beyond our comprehension. You have created us for your glory. You have redeemed us and long to have us fellowship with you. May we, the sheep of your pasture and the shepherds of your flock, abide in your love. Amen. Mike, Kit, would you come to the altar? Church, lay hands on your pastor. If you'd like to pray silently for him, pray silently for him. If you'd like to pray aloud, pray aloud. Put your hands on him. Put your hands on someone who has on him, has their hands on him. And when we uh, complete this, I will close us in prayer. God, thank you for Mike and Kit. Thank you for bringing them to us, God. Thank you for their enthusiasm, for their love for you, God, for the love that shines through everything they do. Dear Lord, thank you for this very special day, a day that we can honor those that we love so dearly. Uh, thank you for their service. Thank you for the choices they've made that have put, us, put them here today with us. We praise your name for that. Thank you for, for all the blessings that they have brought to us. Be careful with the candles. 